Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Thursday, the third day of September 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, A Vision for You. We are on page 60. We will be reading um, paragraph 2 and 3 to begin with on page 60. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Leela M., Twelve Traditions, Joanne L., and then our readers are Larry K., Deb W., Rachel N. M., and Nancy J. is our newcomer greeter today. And the share ID for Wednesday, yesterday, the second day of September 2015, is 7965. 7965. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Leela M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. My name is Leela M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service and I pass. Thank you, Leela M. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the Twelve Traditions. 
morning. This is Joanne L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he expresses himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Joanne L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 160. We will be reading two paragraphs, starting with the second paragraph, Many a Man Yet Dazed. And with that, I am going to ask Larry Kay to read, please. Good morning, Monica. Thanks so much for your service. Okay, many a man yet dazed from his hospital experience has stepped over the threshold of that home into freedom. Many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. He succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. Impressed by those who visited him at the hospital, he capitulated entirely when later, 
in an upper room of his house, or of this house, he heard the story of some man whose experience closely tallied with his own. The expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place conspired to let him know here was Haven at last. The very practical approach to his problems, the absence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding which these people had were irresistible. He and his wife would leave elated by the thought of what they could now do for some stricken acquaintance and his family. They knew they had a host of new friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always. They had seen miracles and one was to come to them. They had visioned the great reality, their loving and all-powerful creator. And good morning, everyone. This is Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, you know, this is certainly a program of, of attraction rather than promotion. And, you know, the atmosphere of our meeting is amazing, you know, because we've been, been saved, in effect, by a higher power of our own understanding. And, you know, the, the, the struggle against the weakness in myself was never a solitary struggle. And, you know, for me, the practical approach of action, of course, I always have to remember it's action, involved redemption. And, you know, one of the definitions of redemption is the action, there's that word again, of regaining possession of something in exchange for payment, kind of a clearing of a debt. It's interesting to me, I was looking this morning, the synonym for redemption is recovery. And everybody needs, you know, redemptive assistance from the outside, you know, from family, friends, traditions, and for those who believe in, in, in a God. You know, I needed a way to know I was wrong, you know, and to advise me in how to do right, you know, and to encourage and support and inspire me along the way. And, um, you know, that's what I found with this program. And there's something, they mentioned democracy, there's something democratic about life viewed this way. Because, you know, it doesn't matter if you work on Wall Street, uh, you know, or, or at a charity uh, distributing food to the poor. It doesn't matter if you came here at 700 pounds or 70, you know, black or white, atheist or agnostic, rich or poor, gay or straight, man or woman. It doesn't matter. So you're welcome here. And the most important thing is whether, you know, I'm willing to engage in an internal moral struggle you know, compassionately, if I can honestly face my wrongs, you know, my sin, my higher power enables me to build character by winning victories over the weaknesses in myself. And that's what I found with this program. And this paragraph speaks to me because it speaks of miracles. And one of the miracles I see for so many who come to this program is that they had to descend into a valley of humility to climb out to the heights of character you know, and for me, you know, God did this for me. I, you know, I didn't do this for myself. I just kind of metaphorically speaking, chopped my wood and carried my water. I, I took these steps very, very imperfectly, but I took them nonetheless. And by taking them, you know, God changed me. And that's what we find in this program, this practical program of action. It was a solution to the problems. I can now live yeah, I've been taught how to live without the food. And that's the amazing thing that I see um, 
in this program. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And who would like to comment on the second paragraph that was read? Kim G. Kim. Reva P. Reva. Lois M. Lois. Nessa R. Nessa R. Nancy J. Nancy J. Okay. Kim G. Reva P. Lois M. Nessa R. And Nancy J. You're up, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This very practical approach to his problems. You know, I think I just want to stress, what is that practical approach to their, their problems? It's the 12 steps. The steps is why we come to a 12-step program. You know, I have to say, for many years, I worked an eight-tool program while attending a 12-step program. And, um, you know, often when I talk to people and I say they're, they're challenged and they're, and they're struggling, they say, well, I'm working my program really hard. And I say, well, what does that mean to you? They'll tell me how many meetings they're going to. They'll tell me how many phone calls they made. They'll tell me that writing a gratitude list every morning, all these different tools. And I'll say, well, where are you in the steps? Well, I'm working on step one. Well, step one is simply a conclusion. So we, the practical approach is, are you working the steps? You know, I think to myself about um, uh, Fred back in More About Alcoholism, where it says after these guys talked to him and explained to him what the problem is, his response was, I felt I had every right to be self-confident, that it would be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. And for me personally, when I'm only working the tools, that's my game plan, keeping on guard, avoiding people, places, and things, not waiting until I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And those are great things to do while you're working the steps, but it's not a permanent solution to my permanent problem, which is an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. And what does, what does Fred learn? What does he learn? Because he picks up again on the best day that he's having. On 41, it says, these friends told me how they prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come that I would drink again. They said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way for some trivial reason for having a drink. Talks about a strange mental blank spot. And they finally asked him, if he thought if it was an alcoholic and if he was really licked that time, because that's the state, the status we need when we go into this program of action. Are we willing to do that? And let me just tell you, for those of you who are cringing because you feel like I'm bashing the, the tools, when you work this program of action, I mean, my, my tools were three meetings a week and three phone calls a day and calling my sponsor to, so I could get that temporary relief from how bad I was feeling. But as someone who works the steps and has made that a part of my DNA, I attend Vision for You five days a week. I have an a, a AA meeting I go to on Friday, a home group on Sunday. I average probably 10 phone calls a day. I do writing for my 11th step. I talk to recovered people on a daily basis. I work the tools harder by not working the tools because when you work the program of action, those tools are going to be a part of your process. Working the tools in and of themselves for me, brings me restless, irritable, discontent, and my alcoholic mind will take me down every time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. 
Reva P., you're next, and then Lois. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, Wow, this paragraph for me um, is like a list of promises. What I want to share on, though, is about the practical approach and the great reality. So to me, that summarizes, you know, we need the 12 steps, um, working the steps, as was just beautifully shared, and the purpose of that is to develop a relationship with whether we call it great reality, higher power, God, all-powerful creator, um, whatever we choose to call it. And this whole idea of practical, you know, when I first came into program and heard about the God, 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 I thought, what does this have to do with anything? Just, you know, get my food in order, get me out of here and let me get on with my life. Um, But on a morning like today where I wake up, And my head, my thinking begins um, to tell me, you know, all the list of things I have to do. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And then I take my time and have my morning meditation and remember that if God is in charge, it's very practical. You know, what do I do for work? Well, I don't decide it right now. I trust that my higher power will show that to me as the day goes on. How are we moving my mother into a retirement home? I don't have to know the answer. I'm not supposed to know the answer. I'm supposed to ask. So that connection and um, tandem thing, that tandem relationship between step work, um, which is I can't even separate the relationship with my higher power, but my higher power is right here, right here, you know, dealing with my food plus all the other things that drove me to the food Um, to get that sense of peace. You know, when I think I have to do all these things, I get so overwhelmed. um, And it would be, um, you know, the easier, softer way to pick up the food as opposed to, you know, do the step work, um, do what I need to do, and remember that God is in charge and not me. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I love the fact that it's practical. And I know somewhere in the big book it says, you know, we can have our heads in the clouds if we need to for a higher power but we keep our feet on the ground god is here in the practical practical day-to-day issues that i face not just a theoretical concept and um and then that is irresistible and that's why i feel elated because i never ever had any uh thing like that before and with that i pass thank you reva p lois m you're up and then nessa r uh, good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone on the line. This is Lois M. in Massachusetts, recovered. And um, this this was such a wonderful paragraph for me. Many a man, you know, yet dazed from, I wasn't from the hospital. I should have been, but I wasn't, you know, has stepped over that threshold. And for me, that was so exciting to uh, hear that and to relate to it because I I was that man. I was that man, and I stepped over the threshold when somebody asked me to go to a meeting, they suggested that maybe I was a compulsive overeater, which I never believed I was. But I was a very sick and suffering compulsive overeater. And um, and I went to my first meeting, and I listened, and I learned, and I sensed. I sensed more than than understood, you know, that this, this was a room full of people like me. They were talking about it. And uh, it was the first time I ever heard anybody talking about it publicly. And, and uh, I, I 
got the impression there was no shame, there was no guilt, you know, there was some laughter, none, none of course, coming from me, but it was my first first attempt at uh, opening up myself to be exposed to people like me, and, and I, I entered that room full of shame and guilt and despair, mainly, mainly despair, you know, uh, from, for a long time I had been trying on my own to do this you know, to uh, control the uncontrollable. I'd tell myself, I'd read the steps, and yet I'd try every day to, to uh, stop, stop eating compulsively all by myself. So anyway, so I did leave that room, and I left that room with hope. Now, I think I might have eaten again since I went to that first meeting. I, I'm quite sure I did. Um, but, you know, I left there with hope, and I left there with um, knowledge. I heard, I heard what had happened to these people. I knew they were like me, and I heard that they had found something that I really wanted. So that was just the beginning for me. And, you know, if you're new on this line this morning and you're just calling in to see if, you know, you can relate to some of these stories, well, you can step over that threshold by just being here today. And hopefully if you're, you know, listening, you know, you will hear someone that, you know, was ate like you or behaved like you, and you too can get some hope and come back and study with us on a daily basis. And I've been doing that ever since, and it's, it's been the most important um, walk I've ever had in my life. And I thank God for it, and I thank God for Compulsive Overeaters, Alcoholics Anonymous, and this program. Thank you. Thank you, Lois M. Nessa R., you're up, and then it'll be Nancy J. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. I, too, want to speak about... Um, um, the sense that they phrase a very practical approach to his problems, and I have written down here in my in my book at the margin the definition of practical, and it says relating to or manifested in action. And you know, very often, I mean, I meet a lot of people who have quote unquote gone through the steps, um, but yet are not recovered. And when I inquire further, what that means is that they have gone steps one through nine, and then, okay, I'm done, and put the book on the shelf and, and finish. And what they've done is, you know, they sort of have stepped over the threshold into freedom, but haven't done anything further. And, you know, failing to work steps 10, 11, and 12, which is where a lot of the people that I speak to fail, is um, they never really achieve the transformation in page um, in page 27, where it says, um, uh, and ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which when once the guideline, guiding for, forces on the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side. So how do I cast aside the ideas, emotions, and attitudes that I have been practicing for decades, I am so good at them because practice makes perfect. So it makes sense that I need to practice a new way of thinking. You know, this talks about thinking. You know, thinking drives feelings, which drive action. And so how do I, find, how do I, how do I practice a new way of thinking? Well, the big book is giving me a new way of thinking. It's called Step 10, 11, and 12. I work Step 10 numerous times a day every day from the little annoyances to the big issues and then i also uh work step 11 obviously in the morning and in the evening 
um, but throughout the day as well. And then there's 12, you know, the practicing of these principles in all my affairs. So we cannot just finish steps one through nine and say, okay, I, I, I'm done. It's like, you know, cleaning my house and say, okay, my house is clean. And then not doing the maintenance cleaning on a day-to-day -day basis, expecting my house to stay clean. It's just not going to happen. If we want that transformation, um, we have to work on the doing, on the practical. Um, and that means steps 10, 11, and 12 every single day for me. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Nancy J., you're up. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy J., the grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, I love the big book, and this is a wonderful, wonderful paragraph, because these paragraphs, because they describe my journey. I came into OA in March of 2013, bloody beaten. The first meeting I came to, I cried through the whole meeting. I've been wor I work at a place that sells one of my trigger food. In fact, I sell that trigger food. And I had promised myself over and over and over again that I would not go back in that stockroom where it was and steal it and eat that outdated stuff, but I kept doing it. And March, Sunday of March, to, in March 2013, I said, finally, as I did it again, I called a friend hysterical, and I knew I had to go in OA. And that Monday, I went to an OA meeting, and I cried my way through that whole meeting. And then on Thursday, I went to a meeting where I later learned what I saw was faith, strength, and hope, two members. And what's the wonderful thing about this meeting is that they read the promises after every meeting. And now I get to read the promises after every meeting. But even then, after all of that, I still was not recovered. I was still moaning and whimping and whining about the fact that I'd have to give up my trigger foods. I didn't really get serious about this until October 2nd, 2013. On October 1st, 2000, uh, October 1st is my birthday, and I always take off from work. On October 2nd, 2013, I'm at work, and it's lunchtime, and I'm getting ready to go to lunch. I just finished with a customer. Another customer comes up, and I say to her, she wants to pay a, she says to me, I want to pay a bill. And I say to her, I can't help you. I'm not feeling well. You'll have to go to another register. And she stood there looking at me, and I'm thinking, why is this woman looking at me? Well, what I found out later on is that she was a nurse, and I was in the middle of having a stroke at my workplace. I was taken to uh, the ambulance to the hospital, helicopter to a CCU unit where I stayed for five days, stroking for two days. It wasn't until, that was a Tuesday. It wasn't until Thursday that I stopped having the many strokes. And I then they, I got out of the I got out of the CCU unit, went to the ward. Two weeks later, I go to uh, physical therapy, and the physical therapist says to me, "I can't see where you had a stroke." Thank God! Thank God! Thank God! And that's when I got serious, and I started looking for a sponsor and couldn't find one. And finally, December, I found a sponsor at my meeting, and I call her my Navy SEAL, kick-ass, take-no-prisoners, hard-working sponsor. She, I asked her on a Saturday to be my sponsor. On Tuesday, we're talking. Now, I have gone to the store earlier in the day, and I bought my trigger foods, and I have every intention of eating those trigger foods. And, she, and I promised myself I will not lie. Whatever, I will be honest. And I'm hoping she doesn't ask me what I'm going to eat. And she says to me, what are you going to eat for dinner? And I went, oh, well. And I tell her. 
And she says, you need to throw those things in the trash. Well, I know they're in a plastic bag. If I throw them in the trash, I, and even if they weren't, I know what would happen. So while she was on the phone, I flushed them down the toilet. And that's the last day I had that trick of food. In December 18th, I became abstinent and have been abstinent ever since. I love this program. I love this program because it is about walking the mystical path with practical feet. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy J. And who else would like to share on this paragraph before we move on? I'd like to share. This is Vasa. Vasa. Ronnie P. Ronnie P. Okay. All right, Vasa O, you're up, and then Ronnie P. Vasa, we can't hear you. Star one. I'm sorry, I was muted. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica, for your service. And I am Vasa O, recovered compulsive overeater, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And thank you for your service. And thank you for everybody being there. Yes, this is a program of attraction. I was attracted to the people. And I wanted what they had when I came to the program. And this is a practical program. I combined the 12 steps with the tools. I I, I did what I heard. And uh, I just, I was so desperate, you know. And I really worked the tools, too. Uh, you know, in order not to eat, you know, I make the phone call, I do the writing, and I pray to God, turn it over, you know, the tools, I really, you know, I still like them, but I love this, the 12 steps. And this, I thank God for the people that um, um, designed this big book, you know, um, big book, uh, the doctor's opinion and everything, everything that's here. And the first steps, the first three steps were the most important steps for me at the beginning. I can, he can, I will let him. In my desperation, I was ready to surrender and willing. And and they are really the foundation of the program, you know. And my, even my sponsor wanted to make sure I did the first three steps. But I remember saying, I know I did, I am, I know I am powerless over the food, you know. And then I could move on to the next step. So, um, again, I'm so, so, so grateful that God is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And um, now I can pass it on to others. And I love my peace. I love my joy. I like the serenity. And uh, I just love the 12 steps. And I can't wait till we finish it another couple more pages. And we can start again from the beginning. I don't want to forget. I do not want to forget what I came from. And that is my goal, and then that is my journey, just to pass it on for people that want to do it. They want to do the the work like I am. And I don't do this perfect this program perfectly, believe me. But uh, the perfect thing I do, I stayed with it. I never left the program. Even when I mess up, I don't mess up with the food. But my thinking sometimes can be really off. But that's okay. I, this is what I need to be. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Ronnie P., you're up. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. This is Ronnie P., <clears throat> excuse me, recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Um, I love the word practical, and I look and remember um, all the impractical weight loss 
schemes that I used for decades, you know, um, Stillman diet, uh, Weight Watchers, um, every kind of grapefruit, you know, one single food restricted kind of diet. Um, there was one diet called, you know, binge one day, uh, abstain totally from anything the next, which is a recipe for ill health. And um, this program is so efficient. That's the thing that I just love about it. Um, I don't have to... I don't have to worry anymore about, okay, well, when this thing fails, what's the next thing I'll do? You know, I was always prepared for the next diet, and I would buy a new magazine that showed another new diet. Talk about impractical. You know, you can't, you can't develop any discipline if you keep stopping and you keep moving on to something else. <clears throat> you know, the best soccer players don't quit <clears throat> Excuse me, when they start training and say, you know what, I think I'll do baseball. And then when that gets hard, say, I think I'll do basketball. They stay with it. And... Uh, OA has been the only thing that has everything I need to stay with it because the problem with my illness, as it is, I think, in all addiction, is, you know, it's in my head. So this has given me just the tools I need to keep the food down so that the steps will keep my head down. And um, I've, got to, I've got to do both. I've got to do both. And so talk about it's practical and it's efficient. I have more money in my wallet because I'm not buying different foods. I know what, I've, I, know what I eat. <laughs> I eat a whole lot less. Um, and my, my days are filled with, with new ways of thinking. Um, a problem will come up at work, and instead of thinking, geez, what am I going to do here, I'll hold still and say, thank God I don't have to figure this out. And I'll quietly just say, all right, God, please show, show me the way. And somehow things begin to unfold. And that's pretty much how my life works with everything now. And talk about practical. It's absolutely practical. And it's all up in my head and in my heart. Um, and as long as I keep working these steps, um, you know, I still get restless, irritable, and discontented. That's the human condition. And that is when in the past with other diets I would just fall out. And it's not like I think I always had this idea that once I lost weight, I would no longer, you know, be human. I would no longer have restlessness, irritability, and discontentment, if that's a word. I would, I would somehow be perfect. I wouldn't have an ill feeling. Um, this program recognizes our humanity. It gives us ways to just be alive and to be human and also to deal with the fact that we have this thinking problem and this allergy of the body, and it has given me my life. Talk about practical. It is so, so practical. Uh, and with that, I pass. Thanks very much. Thank you, Ronnie P. Anyone else real quickly? Okay, well, I'm Monica, and I, Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I think I'm going to jump in here for a couple of, so much in this paragraph. The uncanny understanding, uncanny, I just looked that up, unusual, mysterious, beyond normal understanding, which these people had were irresistible, was impossible to resist. And I can relate to that going to a big book meeting and seeing recovered people and hearing and listening to them um, and their understanding of where I was. You know, there was a big draw there. 
very, very powerful. And it was like, wow, you know, how was my way working for me? Well, it wasn't. And it was a miserable, dark place to be in. But these people had a twinkle in their eye and a smile on their face and, you know, slimmer bodies. And I was like, whoa, I don't know what they have here, but I'd like this. And that was a lot of it, you know, that I wanted what they had. Did I know? No, I did not. They had envisioned the great reality. Did I know what this great reality was at that point? No. But I saw and heard things that I desired. And, and what did this great reality end up being? Well, it ended up being their loving and all-powerful creator. And that's the bottom line. It's God, it's God, it's God. I am completely powerless. And as my wonderful sponsor reminds me of, you know what, Monica? Sounds like you're a real compulsive overeater. And the bottom line is, I am, and I'm powerless, and I need God. And God has shown me in so many ways when I turn to him. He's got the power, you know? I don't have to eat anymore. I'm not obsessed with food anymore. Thank you, God. And with that, we shall move on to the next paragraph, and I'm going to ask Deb W. if she would read, please. Monica, Monica, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, I couldn't remember if I muted or not. <laughs> <laughs> we can hear you. Okay, now this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors, for they number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near, <clears throat> from surrounding towns. Families drive long distances to be present. A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. <clears throat> the words that got my attention are, just like Monica, as you said most of what I was going to say, <laughs> are, are being attracted. That is the, the key to me. That's what got me to program. I came to a meeting and I heard something that got my attention, you know, that, that I saw something in those that were in the meeting <clears throat> that caused me to be interested. My spirit, you know, came alive. My spirit quickened with, you know, with what I heard. And this reminds me on page uh, 18, the, the bottom of page 18. It says <clears throat> that the man who is making the approach has had the same difficulty, that he obviously knows what he is talking about, that his whole deportment shouts at the new prospect, that he is a man with a real answer, that he has no attitude of, of holier than thou, nothing whatever except a sincere desire to be helpful, that there are no fees to pay, no access to grind, no people to please, no lectures to be endured, there are the conditions we have found most effective. After such approach, many take up their beds and walk again. And at my meetings a uh, long time ago, we used to bring a picture of what it was like before, what we looked like before in the disease. And, and I remember, you know, when they would pass those pictures around and I would see what was and I see what is. And, of course, yes, I was attracted to the weight you know, I was attracted to the weight difference. I, I saw that this person who was doing this conversation, they no longer were looked like this pictures. I couldn't even believe they were the same people. 
And so that was the thing that got me in. That was the thing that attracted me. Now, going through the steps, you know, going through the, like, step one, I was powerless. When I came into the meetings, I, I had tried everything. I had tried everything. And the second step, yeah, I knew of a power greater than me that I call God. But, you know, didn't, it didn't work for me. But was I willing, step three, was I willing to turn it over? Yes, I was. You know, I was interested in what you had to say to me because I had tried everything. And so now I was given the idea of just turning it over, just give it up, you know, and work these steps one step at a time, one step at a time. Because as I work it, my faith builds, the spirit within me, you know, I see evidence of. I see little accomplishments. I see a reprieve before I get to a spiritual awakening. I don't have to wait all the way to uh, till I get through the steps for changes to start happening in me. And uh, so those are the, the things that I wanted to say this morning. It's just that I start the steps. I start the walk. I, I take that bit of faith that caused me to listen when I heard something different than I'd ever heard before in the, you know, when I came into the meetings. And, okay, thank you. Thank you, Monica. That's all I had to say. Thank you, Deb W. Who would like to comment on this paragraph? Marcella. Marcella. Melissa C. Melissa, Sarah. Kay. I didn't hear. Kay? Kathy Kay. Oh, Kathy Kay. All right. Thanks. All right. Let's start with that. Marcella, I didn't catch your last uh, your last M. initial. N? Marcella M, yeah. M? M? Okay. Marcella, Melissa C, Sarah W, and Kathy Kay. You're up, Marcella. Thank um, you. Good morning. So good to hear the familiar voices, Marcella. Recovered composer over eater in Boston. Oh, how much I love this exercise, reading and, and explaining to one another. Where it says here, now, this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors. Well, this is our home. I'm not sure how many we can accommodate in the phone line, but it certainly, it certainly feels crowded when all, all of us want to share at once, right? And the, and the poor moderator has to write a list of like 12 people that want to come in on the first paragraph. And in our, our convention, our get-together that we're having in October, it's sold out. Our house is sold out. And, and we feel elated. Why do we feel elated? Because we have the thought of what we can do now for some stricken acquaintance and their family. That's what brings us the feeling of elation. That's what brings me oh. I wake up in the morning, I have the day off, and I don't, I no longer feel, oh, this is the day in which I'll go and do endless trips to the fridge, the, 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 the kitchen, and then the supermarket and the grocery store. No, this is a good day in which I can be of help to others. I have something unique and wonderful and unapproachable. That's my great reality. My sponsor says that when I see create, when I see two capital letters, capital letters, some something that normally will be in a small case, I see that that's another way of saying God. Can you believe such a wonderful thing? 
that God, the higher power, is my great reality, and I feel elated because I'm no longer a useless glutton eating uncontrollably and crying full of remorse because I'm eating. Um, this program and the wonderful fellowship has made me, has, has bringing me to a dignity that I've never knew before. I'm useful to others. I can work with others. And our house is crowded. What a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And without a pass. Thank you, Marcella M. Melissa C., you're up, and then it'll be Sarah W. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, you know, I'm laughing and smiling when, when the, the hope was that they would, their numbers would be in the hundreds. Uh, because there was a time when I used to call into this meeting. I haven't heard it in a while, but I used to get the number count. And, you know, just this one meeting at 7 a.m., sometimes I would call. And, and the numbers would be, you know, a couple of hundred just in this one meeting. Um, you know, and so... You know, I'm smiling because, um, you know, this disease had me um, all alone. You know, that was really where um, where I was before, you know, before I found recovery. I was had lots of loving people in my life, but I was isolated from them all. And, um, you know, and so now to have, you know, my greatest weakness be the thing that binds me to hundreds people at, you know, quarter to eight in the morning, um, so excited to, you know, be a part of this this little community. We're just like one little group of, of hundreds that, you know, the 12 steps are, are affecting and um, and changing. And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I often share it at a face-to-face meeting uh, this meeting, I tell people about this meeting because this is really the meeting that I became covered on. And um, and so I, I want everybody to, to hear this meeting. And I give, you know, I print out a sheet that has, you know, exactly how to get on this meeting. And, and, um, and some people tell me, oh, I've been listening. And then someone told me, oh, I've been listening. And um, I started, you know, describing a particular meeting that wasn't this meeting at all. And... And I smiled and laughed, and I realized, yes, this meeting may hold the key for me, but our recovery uh, isn't about one particular meeting. It's about hundreds of thousands of us, um, all after a connection with the higher power, that in turn binds us all together. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be a part of this hundred um, this morning. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. Sarah W., you're up, and then it'll be Kathy K. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service this morning. Good morning, everyone. Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Well, I remember um, I wanted to kind of hone in on um, the idea of, um, I remember my second sponsor, who was really my big book sponsor back in 95, took me to, uh, I was living in Phoenix, and I had met her there, and she was living there, but we went on a retreat, and she brought me to a meeting that she had uh, gone to uh, when she first got um, um, abstinent and into recovery, and it was in San Jose, California, and there were 200 people at this meeting, um, 
of OA. You know, I was I was in the other fellowship also, but it was like incredible because I really heard the message. I had never seen in OA such healthy recovery and people um, really giving testimony to um, to their to their journey. And I was thinking about the fact that I live in a town of 5,000 and there is no OA except 75 miles away and I work and I'm busy and, you know, so you're my meeting. This is my home group uh, for OA. I do attend other meetings here in town, but um, it's not of this fellowship. And the thing that comes into my mind is that you are my community and how many people are from all over the world that are really truly like family members to me that know me and that I, you know, when I hear your voices on the line. And and the idea of what a fellowship really is, you know, a community of people. And I remember hearing a, um, a story from somebody that said that they went to a meeting once. It was actually an AA meeting. They had walked in by accident. They were trying to go to an Al-Anon meeting. And when they walked in the door, she it was the first time she'd ever been to a meeting. She thought she was walking into an Al-Anon meeting, and she said, I just feel hopeless. And the gentleman sitting at the table said to her, honey, you see hope right here. All these faces are miracles. And I think that's what we are. You know, we really are. And I think to myself how grateful I am that I live here in this in this time and 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 in this part of history that I can get on a telephone and I can know that there are two hundred plus people that have my affliction that are walking and trudging this road with me, and that when I take out my clothes this morning instead of wearing a size twenty four I've been wearing a size ten for two years, and I'm so grateful for that. And and just my my attitude towards my family and my and my life is so different. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah W. Kathy K. You're up. Hi, Monica T. Thank you for your service. Kathy K. Recovered from Boston. And um, this paragraph and all the shares uh, have me looking back at my history. And I was in OA for a little over 10 years before I was introduced to the big book. And I made a decision very early on in my OA history to take what I want and leave the rest because I was uh, a strong agnostic of um, 40-some-odd years. Um, When I first got to a big book meeting and began reading the doctor's opinion and hearing people share on it and working through those early chapters in the big book, um, I experienced a transformation. And it really was facilitated by what others in the room at the big book meeting were sharing and to see and witness the glow and the trust and faith that for many of them had only come through actively working the steps. That's really what gave me hope and willingness to even um, suspend my old ideas and consider new ones. Uh, I am just so grateful, and I continue to seek out meetings um, where I can either hear what I need to hear or offer 
what I now have to offer in terms of the transformation that came about for me. It truly is a miracle that today I start each day uh, in conversation and quiet meditation with my higher power. It's just a miracle. And um, uh, I'm just so grateful to the fellowship and to uh, everyone on this line who has helped me keep moving forward. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And we've got time for one one more share. Who would like to share? Sue B. Sue B., you got it. Go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Sue B. And yesterday I celebrated my year anniversary in A Vision for You and the year of back-to-back abstinence. And I promised my commitment to this year would be to share more. I often feel unworthy to share at this meeting. And I, I don't know why, because I have experienced strength and hope that somebody out there needs to hear. And I was thinking about this paragraph and about the different kinds of meetings that are all over. I'm so fortunate living in Maryland that we have so many meetings available to us. And somebody said to me, um, why aren't you going to this meeting? It was a big book meeting rather than to the meeting that followed it. And I remember saying, you know, I can do a service at this other meeting. There are people there that may not know about the steps, and I've experienced a transformation, and I believe my higher power wants me to spread the word and to share my experience, strength, and hope. So people are still wonderful. They just haven't – they're not all abstinent at that meeting as in some meetings – Uh, are much stronger, I guess you can use that word. And so sometimes when I go to a meeting that is less strong, I feel that I'm doing a service, and that keeps my program stronger. That keeps me in recovery. So I just wanted to share that I've experienced all kinds of meetings, and you take what you want and you leave the rest. So thank you for sharing, for letting me share, and Monica, thank you for leading the meeting and doing a terrific service. Have a great day. Bye, Beth. Thank you, Sue B. And we have come to the end of our time here, so thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Rachel and M., could you please read for us from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.